All right. Well, good morning. Oh, come on, let's try that again. Good morning. There we go. There we go. Hey, I'm going to start off a little bit differently today. Um, as I've been really trying to figure out, I, I'm, I'm going to tell stories of what happened at camp because uh, we need to hear stories because stories are encouragement to everybody in this room. And, um, but I'm going to start off a little bit differently today. Uh, as I've been preparing over the past couple of weeks for this message, and the Lord kept bringing me back to Romans 1, verse 21, and we'll read about 8 to 10 verses in this. And what we just did was, was worship. And you know, worship sets the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come down and to be with us. And Pastor Chuck talks about it all the time. But there's another thing as uh, the song, the, the uh, uh, what's it called? I'm Surrounded. Uh, by you, it's, I'm not sure the name of it, but there's a line in there, it says, I fight my battles with praise and thanksgiving. And it's a perfect, actually, segment into what we're going to talk about today and to start off this morning. And so I'm going to read and I'll talk about it, but I pray that this just sinks deep into your heart. So we're going to read together, Romans 1. Paul saying, yes. They knew God. The Romans, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up of foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result of them not worshiping him and not giving thanks, their minds became dark and confused. Sounds a little bit like the world we're living in. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and they served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. I mean, it's just, this is the world that we're living in right now. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. It said at the beginning, they knew God, but yet they rejected God. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking, let them to do what things they should have never have done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. I mean, it's the world we're living in, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyways. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. At the beginning of this, it says, it says they did not worship and give thanks to God. And in just a moment, we're going to just, just take a few moments for however long the Holy Spirit wants us to. But I think we have to go deeper in this room. And one of the ways is of worship is to give God thanks. Is to live in a place of thankfulness. Now, why is this so important? Because thankfulness causes you to remember the faithfulness of God. When you are thankful and you live in a state of thankfulness, you'll remember all the glorious and wonderful things God has done in your life. Um, I was reading a book the other day and it said that one of the main problems with our generation and our culture is that we forget to remember. We forget to remember God's faithfulness. And you may say, I'm not sure what to be thankful for. I'm gonna encourage you right now, just be thankful for the breath in your lungs. Be thankful you have two feet to walk on. Be thankful for the clothes that are on your body. Though your situations may be difficult, God still is working. And I believe in order to set the atmosphere for what we're gonna talk about today, we started into worship and God just said, it's time to give me thanks. It's time to go ahead and recognize all that I have done. Even if you're like, I have nothing to give, go ahead and give him thanks for sending his son Jesus to die on a cross, raise up from the grave three days later, and then that way we can have a relationship with him. It's one of the things that we must do. 
And so I'm going to take a moment, and we're just going to sit in silence. And I just want you, just right where you are, just start giving thanks to God. And I'm telling you, God will soften your heart. And he will come down in here like you haven't seen before. So let's just take a moment, and let's just give him thanks. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, God, for these wonderful things. Thank you for all these pieces, God. Thank you. Thank you for the salvations, God. Thank you for the life that you've given me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are worthy of all our worship. You are worthy of all of our thanksgiving. It's you alone who we worship today. It's you alone who we praise. We love you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said? Hey, just for a second, let's give God praise right now, just all across this room. There's a book called... um, in Between Two Minds, and it was written by this man named Oz Guinness. Now, uh, Oz, I, I read this book, and, uh, and this is not like a prideful or, or, or arrogant thing for me to say. It, it was like a master's level reading book. Now, it was a master's level to me. It may not be master's level to you, all right? So let's be clear. Uh, now, and, and the reason I say that, have you ever read a book before? Like, you read one page, and then you had to read it again, and then there's like three or four lines. They looked awesome. They sounded great, but you had no idea what it meant. <laughs> And I was reading that book, and I, it was, it was life-changing to me after I looked up 47 definitions and, uh, and figured out exactly what it was saying. And so as I, was, as I was reading this book, he writes this line that talks about thanks, and he says, his words, Paul's words talking about the verse that we just read, are a sober reminder that rebellion against God does not begin with the clenched fist of atheism but with the self-satisfied heart of the one whom thank you is redundant, whose thank you is unnecessary. Have you ever been around people who you're like, they said thank you, but they really didn't mean it? Has anybody ever made their kids say thank you and you know they still did not mean it? Anybody in here? I was the perfect child. My thank yous were awesome. I mean, I was, I was, I always honored my parents. I was so thankful. I mean, they could, I mean, I would eat food off the floor and I was like, this is so good. Thank you, dad. So good. And after this weekend, I was reminded of this again, of how thankful I am. If you knew my story, I, I, I was a stutterer growing up all the way through, um, through middle school and high school, and um, I would have this blockage problem, and as I would go to speak, I was great one-on-one, but you put me in two, two or three people, and you asked my parents, I, would, I just couldn't communicate. I would stop, and so I went to a speech pathologist at my senior year. I was 18 years old, going for six months after baseball practice on a Tuesday. I was the oldest kid in there by like 12 years. And I was sitting around, and there's like six-year-old, seven-year-old, 18-year-old, six-year-old. And I remember just, just being just distraught, but just as I was reminded and thinking, if what God has done in my life, he also can do in your life and in this generation. And so I live in this state of thankfulness, and I live in this, this state of, God, why me? Why are you using Dylan Ogle? Why? And God says, because I want to. Because I can. And so I'm reminded just this past week how thankful I am. We, see, we saw life transformation one after the other. We had parents who looked at me and kids who looked at me and said, please don't send me to this camp. And as they were headed back, they looked at me and said, please don't send me home. <laughs> there was life transformation We had visions from kids, and this is not just emotionalism. This is true, life-altering stuff. We had healings, which I'll talk about in just a second, like physical, real healings. God gave me a word about a year ago, almost almost a year ago now, and uh, this is not like something that like I, I think of normally. It's not like something that like I'm like sitting here being like, I've seen all the physical healings, I've, I've done all the miraculous, I've, but like a year ago, he said, Dylan, he said, in this generation and through Restoration Church, I'm gonna do signs and wonders, miracles, physical healings, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
And, and, I wish, and I really wish I was somebody that was like, oh, I've seen it before and it's going to happen again. At that point when God told me, I hadn't really seen very much. I hadn't experienced all of what God was, was trying to tell me. But let me just be clear, it's happening. And you may not be able to see it yet, but it's happening. It's happening. And it's real. But what this generation, this generation needs is not another sermon, because they can get all the information on the, on the tips of their fingertips, and they can get it right here on an iPad, they can get it on a phone, they can get it at, at any moment, at any, you know, just second they can get information. They don't need just another sermon. They need an encounter with Jesus Christ. They need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. When you encounter the Holy Spirit, everything that you've learned in the past, no matter what it was, doesn't matter until that moment right there. How many, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you can look back and you can say, I, I, I knew the things, I knew the verses, I knew the, the concepts, I, I had the idea, but it just didn't make sense until I had an experience with Jesus Christ. And there are people all across this room that, that knew the things, that, that, that said the words, that attended Sundays. They even attended Wednesdays. But it wasn't until God came down and touched their lives and they said, I met Jesus Christ right there. And we think about those things and we look back upon those things. And that's why I said, I need you to go back and say thank you because it, it will remind you where God has brought you from to where you are now. But as I've been navigating this line of like, they don't need another experience, they don't need another sermon, they need an experience with you, the Lord told me, so do you. It's not just for this generation, and, I, and I'll be honest, I thought it was, but the Lord said to me, he said, Dylan, he said, my people have not experienced me in the fullness of my power. They've rejected what's made them Holy. This power that he offers, it's for you. This experience, you know, it's in a, there's a definition. It's an event or an occurrence that leaves an impression on someone. Have you been impressed? Has the Holy Spirit stamped himself onto your life? But, you know, here's the thing as, as we navigate all this. We live in an area that we don't necessarily need an experience because for the most part we can buy it. You know, for the most part, we can, we can go and manufacture it. For the most part, the people in this room, for the most part, if, if we need something, if we're sick, if we're hurting, we can usually figure out the funds to go take care of it ourselves. There was a man, he came and told me, he said, Dylan, because I preached a little bit about this, and he said, he said, what you're saying is so true. He said, I was over um, doing some missionary work, and one of the kids looked at me and said, how do people trust in Jesus when they have everything that they need in America? How? And let me be clear, money and things, they aren't bad things. I like money and I like things, you know? Like, but they aren't bad things, but we have allowed money and the things God created, as it says in Romans, to replace the creator. And I believe... And, and, this is just, and this is just my belief, and, and I, I've tried to read a lot about this, so... I believe that's why we have so many people hitting rock bottom because that's what it's taken to get your attention. And I believe it wasn't supposed to be that way. I, I never see in here it requires a rock bottom in order to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I never see it. I tell kids all the time, I don't want you to go through what so many people have gone through in order to experience Jesus Christ. And let me say, there are people all across this room that would say the same thing and that would beg God to save their kids from going what they went through in order then to experience who the Holy Spirit is. Anybody in here has ever said that prayer before? God, save my kids from what I went through. Capture their hearts. My prayer is that you don't have to hit rock bottom to experience the power of Jesus Christ. 
My prayer for you is I want you to be living your greatest life apart from Jesus, and then you have an experience with Jesus. And then from right there, you're like, I lived a great life, and I have really never have experienced the death and the hard times, but I just experienced Jesus Christ. And let me just say, it's way better than anything I've ever experienced before. And I want everyone to have that experience with the Holy Spirit. It's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony the enemy is defeated. I want you to have a testimony to where God touched and changed your life. And I think about Jeremiah, you know, and Pastor Chuck, I think, said it this past Sunday or a couple Sundays ago, and the Lord's been taking me back here. And he talks about in Jeremiah, and he says, he says, God, I'm so, this is Dylan's version of it as I read it, I'm so tired of talking about you. It seems like all the walls around me are crashing in, and, I, and I'm tired of it, and I'm frustrated because I still have fire on the inside of me, and I just can't stop talking about you. Why are you making me this way? And he goes on to talk about, he said, it was because I experienced his Holy Spirit that no matter what I went through, no matter what walls were coming down, I could not help but tell people about Jesus Christ. We look at Job's life, and Job, he had everything that he ever wanted, and then everything was taken, kids, wife, family, money, material, and it talks about lamentation, and he goes, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. What does he recall into mind? The faithfulness of God when he had all those things, and that's why he had hope that later on down his life that God would pick him up and turn him around and would do something in his life that he's never seen before. That's why we have hope. That's why we need an experience with Jesus Christ. And who knows in here, it's something, it, you know, it's way better to go see a movie in IMAX than for somebody else to tell you about it, right? I think about that all the time. It's way better to experience who the Holy Spirit is rather than just hearing about this person. But we understand this. As we go and as we ask, now this is what we, uh, there's a lot here I would like to say, but I don't have enough time, that so many people, as it says in Romans, and it's just struck my heart so hard because I used to live this way. So many people in this area, majority of people know who Jesus is. They've, they've at least heard about him. They've, they've heard about the things, but so many people reject him. But we understand that embracing the cross, it does have a cost. It, it, it has a cost. There, there, there is a cost for you to give up things of this world. But I, I, as I was going over this, the Holy Spirit then just dropped this in my heart. He goes, but so does following the world. Following the world also has a cost. You can gain the whole, the whole world, but you'll lose your soul in the end. There is, a, there is a cost to following the cross, but it's a way gr greater cost. Let me just say right now, who knows it's a way greater cost to follow the cross than it is to follow the world. There is a cost that, it, that comes with following the cross. The people, they, they hated Jesus. They didn't, you know, there's a lot of people, we read a lot about the, a lot of the good stories, but there's also a lot of people in here who rejected Jesus Christ. As I was reading in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, again, just another eye-opening verse for me. And it says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. So many people will be offered his power, but there will be a lot of people who will reject it. By the way, don't feel bad when people reject you when you talk about Jesus Christ to them. Don't feel bad, because who knows, you could have planted a seed that somebody else is going to water along the way. Never feel bad about that. You have to understand, people rejected Jesus, and Jesus was in his physical form telling them about who he was. So don't feel bad. Don't get your feelings hurt. I always tell people, it's okay. People will, will reject you, but there may be that one person that, that'll look at you and say, I want what you have. And that's what matters. So you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, it's very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I wish that was, I wish that was swapped. I wish the highway 
to, to, or the gates to heaven were just like a six lane, great smooth traffic all the way there. You know, I, I wish, the, I wish the, the, the gateway to hell was small and rocky, but this is what we know is that we, I, I needed to read that today because we can't be unrealistic and think, man, the power of the Holy Spirit, when we experience him, life becomes easy. That's a lie from the enemy. Now, let me say, life becomes greater, and it becomes more fulfilling, and it becomes uh, life-altering, and, you, and a lot of y'all in here have experienced that. But this is why we need a community, is that it is rocky. The gateway, the path to heaven, it's rocky. Who knows in here? It's a little bit rocky. It's a little bit difficult. It's a, it, it can be hard. It can feel like, uh, it, it can feel like we're about to drown but we know that there is a prize on the other side. It's why we need a community. And not just a godly, and not just a, just a community, a godly community. PC said it before, it's the difference between fleshly unity and spiritual unity. We need that in this church. When things get hard, we need somebody else's hand to hold on to and say, can you just pull me a little bit closer? Can you pull me? Can you take me a little bit deeper? We, we, we need a family that this is a family. This is a foundation that this right here is a community that we can experience and we can walk through life together. But it all has a cost. I'm reminded of a lot of different kids and I wish I had all the opportunity and all the time in the world to tell every story in here, but there were kids who were absolutely changed by the Holy Spirit at this camp. There was kids at Guatemala that went two weeks prior who looked up and said, I never thought that this was possible. And they looked at me, I had one kid look at me, he goes, he goes, I've done it all, I've experienced it all, but let me just say, I don't care what me now, I'm, going, I'm about to tell my whole school about who Jesus Christ is. I mean, it's pretty incredible, because he does those things. Luke 14, it also just talks about this cost. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife and your children, brothers and sisters, in your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete the, only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's a person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down his counselors and to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the army of 20,000? marching against him. And let me just say, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this. There are many people who want to be in ministry and never actually count the cost of what it actually takes to be in ministry. I've looked up, I, I'm on social media all the time, and I see people, and I see things, and I'm friends with lots of people. And let me just say, at some point over the past five years, it became a cool fad to be a Christian. It became cool to, to, to try to build their wealth and try to build their platform based off of Jesus Christ. It was a cool thing. And let me say, a lot of those people are not following Jesus right this moment. Because the enemy said, I know who you're following, and it ain't Jesus Christ. So let me just throw a little bit of hardship your way. They did not count the cost. But this generation, this church... This is a next-gen church. Let me say it again. This is a next-gen church. I am, Pastor Chuck has supported me day in and day out. He has given me the finances, given me the, the freedom. Let me just say, there's no better place to be than a church who is full of the Holy Spirit and full of kids who are full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> there's just nothing better. But let me be clear. This generation that has counted the cost, there are kids in here that have also counted the cost. This generation is not the future of the church. They are the church of today. And, and I say this because 
Too many people keep saying, you're the future, you're the future, you're the future. We got 12 years old who, who are filled with the Holy Spirit who have the ability to teach God's word. Why would they be the future? Why would they ever just be somebody down the road when you turn 21 years old? No, you are the church of today. There are people in this room that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that have the power. Kids, I look over here at Alex. Alex was touched by God this past week, filled with the Holy Spirit. Wilson was called into ministry, and on yesterday he texted me. He's like, Dylan, I gotta get some guys. Can I come in at the gym at five o'clock to go over a little Bible study? I have something burning on my heart to tell people. I mean, there's just, like, why would I tell him, no, sorry, buddy, you're the, you're the church of the future, but, but not yet, though, all right? Of course, I want people who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to teach this. I don't care if you're 75, and I don't care if you're 12 years old. Can you tell somebody about who Jesus Christ is? Because this may be a shock to you. It doesn't matter what you say. It matters what he says through you. It never says, by your words, people are healed and saved. It says, by the belief and the power of the Holy Spirit, people are set free. People are saved. And let me just say, it's why we need this generation. It's why we need you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. They have all the knowledge, but yet they have no power. This generation, these kids, they're tired of hearing about Jesus Christ. Let me just be clear, they're tired of it. Because that's all people are offering is a story about Jesus they want to experience the stories we're sharing. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I mean, think about it. We talk about this guy, this guy Jesus Christ in here, and this has been a conviction upon my heart, that he does wonderful things, he's great, he does miracles, and what we do is we ultimately create a bunch of sensationists, meaning that we create a bunch of kids who believe that it, it, it was true, but it was only back then. And let me be clear, it's just not back then. It's happening right now. And we need kids and we need students and we need parents to experience. Listen, listen parents, if you, and you may say, I've never experienced what you're talking about. I've never seen a physical healing. I've never seen these things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to believe that God will still do it in your life. Because he wants you to. He wants you to experience it. These students at this camp... It wasn't just emotionalism. But I need you to understand this. When people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and people and, and, and nobody was crazy and people were, were doing physical healings and things were being set free, even back then when it happened to the disciples, people came around them and said, you're just drunk and you have no idea what you're doing. People are going to look at some of these kids, and people are going to look at some of you and say, you don't get it. You're just silly. What are you doing? But when they start doing that, you know you've hit the jackpot. You know that you are following in the will of God. You know that God has truly touched your life. And when you have an experience and an encounter with Jesus, it doesn't matter what people say because it doesn't matter who they are. All that it matters is what he says about you. And all you have to do is say, I know you don't get it, and I know that you've never experienced it, but I'm telling you, you've got to try this Holy Spirit thing. It will change your life, and you will be altered, and your life Life will be completely changed. There will be joy that comes over you in your, in your hard circumstances. There will be peace that will overflow you. There will, be, there will be things that will happen in your family, and it still may not all be perfect, but you'll be walking with the peace that you never thought you could ever walk with. Because the question becomes is, what comes out of you when you're crushed? When you're pushed, when, when things become difficult around you. See, this is what I understand. Pushing and pressure, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, produces fear. The pressure also produces anxiety. The pressure of this world, which who knows, we're in a lot of pressing right now. This pressure produces uh, suicidal thoughts. This pressure produces anger. This pressure, it produces things that are of this world. This pressure, it produces Lying, it produces same-sex attraction. 
This pressure, what it produces is the things of the world. But let me just be clear. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you're pressed and when you're crushed, only power will come out of that at that point. And I want you guys to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Not everyone will get it, though. I keep saying it again. But let me just say, this past week, I'm just amazed in in all of Jesus Christ. We had students this past week that were healed. We had one girl that had an ACL tear in the back of her left leg, and she's a great athlete. She actually just visited from Maryland with her friends to come down here to actually come to camp. And And I said, listen, I'm just gonna say, Leg, go back to the way it was, and it has nothing to do with me. And immediately she felt something pop in her leg, and tears just started streaming down her face because she's never felt the freedom of that pain in almost three years. We had a kid, we had a kid who had a lump on the side of his neck, a cyst that was hurting so bad, a seventh grade boy, and immediately he said, he said, I can't take it anymore. And we and somebody prayed over it and immediately it was gone. He was jumping up and down, hitting his neck, and like, woo, you know, just like just like it doesn't hurt. We had John, I think John's coming to the next one, and, and, and John's a runner, and, and he was one of our volunteers, and I, and I just felt impressed to pray for, for people to receive physical healing, and, and he came down, and was like, hey, how can I pray for you? He's like, nah, this kid needs prayer, and I was like, I think you need prayer, and he was like, he's like, I have bad heels. He said, he said, it hurts to walk day in and day out. He said, but I love to run. He said, I haven't been able to run in months, and immediately we prayed for him, and his heels became whole. And that next morning, he gets up, I mean, and, and you should have seen him. He was jumping up and down. He was, he was starting to run a marathon at that point. And that next morning, he got up, and he said, he said man, I feel like my, my heels are hurting. And immediately, he was reminded that whenever you feel that, just tell the enemy to go back to where he came from because it actually happened. And he did it, and he came back up to me the next day and said, Dylan, I did what you told me to do, and my heels are still healed. <laughs> How crazy is that? We had a kid who's, uh, he's not here right now, but uh, he'll be here in just a little bit. Um, and he has, his back's been hurting, his, his leg, and this, this is, these are true stories. Like these are eyewitness testimonies by like six or seven kids. Like, like they'll come back and tell you what they saw. And, and his uh, leg was, was about two inches longer than, or his right leg was about two inches longer than his left leg. And it was causing some back pain and, and he needed that to be healed. And so um, one of our guys, VJ, he's not here right now, gathered, gathered six or seven guys and he gathered one of the guys, JP, and, uh, and he said, he said, I've seen this a lot. JP, you pray for him. Now, JP's a ninth grade boy and has no idea what he's doing. He said, he said, listen, you also have the power. And JP said, all right, leg, go back to the way it was supposed to be. And they all saw that leg grow two inches out. That's pretty crazy, huh? Now, why do I tell you these things? Now, there was, there was a limp that was, that was healed, and, and just like, and we had kids praying over kids and just watching, and they're like, I don't get it. I'm not sure what's going on. And we had just the most wonderful opportunity to say, it's not you. If you were doing this on your own power and your own strength, it wouldn't have happened. So it's just not about you. It's the Holy Spirit that filled you with this power because you opened up your arms and said, fill me and then lead me to do what you want me to do. As PC said, almost 40 people were called into ministry. That doesn't happen by the words of Dylan Ogle. And there were kids that were coming up left and right, kids that you would be like, they're going into ministry? Oh, Lord, help me. You know, you know. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know. <laughs> But these kids, they were touched. We had a girl, she was our last one to sign up on one of our last days. And the Lord called her to ministry, called her to, um, to missionary work. She'd always felt an impression upon her heart and called her up there and said, I'm supposed to be a missionary. We just had one after the other. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen, my prayer for you is to have that same experience. So many people say, Holy Spirit, fill me. But he says, I can't because you're so full of you. You're so full of yourself. Or so many of us say, use me. I I, I would love to, but you're letting other people use you. We say, speak to me. 
but yet we fill our ears with garbage and with things that don't need to be filled. And he says, I would love to, but every single morning you wake up to worldly music. And I can't speak to you then. And what we have to do is we have to stop compromising and say, Holy Spirit, release me of this world. Empty me out of this world and then fill me with you. He is a God who still does miracles. Let me be clear. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He is a God who still does miracles. He's not a then God. He's a now God, and he's also a future God. I'm reminded in Revelation, he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was. He doesn't just stop there, does he? The angels, they don't just stop there. God, you are awesome. What he says is, angels, they go, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and is to come. He's not a, he's not a back then God, he's a now God. But you wonder, I've had this before, one of the big questions about after camp or in a big experience or a big touch from Jesus Christ is like, how do I not, how do I not let the fire burn out? How do I not let this thing that I experienced completely die? And you may have wondered that yourself. You had a great Wednesday, you had a great Sunday, but yet Monday, Tuesday comes and it feels like you're getting knocked back down. I'm not sure if you've ever had that experience before. You're like, man, Sundays are awesome. PC is great, worship is great, but it's like when you walk out those doors, it's like, the world meets you face to face and it feels like you have no power. Feels like everything that you just heard, you just saw, it becomes hard. And I think that's because many of us, we build our lives and we build our houses on opinions or situation or circumstances rather than building it on the life of Jesus Christ and the word that is alive. Because when you build your house and your life on this word, what you're going to be able to say is, I know it's difficult, but God's promises says he'll bring me through it. I know it's hard, but God's promises says he will, he will see to it. He says he will bring back my children. And I, just, and I don't know why I feel this right now, but I believe there are people in this room that it breaks their heart that they wish they, they would have made and sent their kids to a camp to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say, I just wanna take a moment and just say, God can still use you and God will and can touch them. You don't have to go to a camp to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. It can happen here, it can happen in, in the morning. We had a kid last year who went to camp, a girl, and she was like, I wanna be baptized and speak in tongues and fill with the Holy Spirit. And, and, I, and I prayed for it, Dylan, and I prayed for it, but it wasn't until three days later in the morning she was spending time with God and the Holy Spirit filled that room and she said, it filled me. God has a reason, God has a purpose, God has a timing for everything. But now you've heard the stories and you've seen the testimonies. And now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. I want you to experience a power that gives joy in the darkest circumstances. The power. That when everything's broken, you can be like Job and say, this I recall to mind. I know it's hard, but I have hope because of what he's done for me and what his word says that he will do for me. So all across this room, I want you to stand just with me right where you are. And I'm just going to ask in a moment that if you say, Dylan, I want to receive this power that God offers me, that God, that God wants me to have. In just a moment, I'm just gonna ask you just to make your way down here because I'm telling you, it's not a one-time deal. It's a continual day in and day out experience and feeling of his Holy Spirit. If he can do it in Dylan Ogle and if he can do it in the kids and the adults in this room that never thought they should be here, he can do it in you. And guess what? He wants to do it in you. So all across this room, I just want you just to close your eyes.
I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I'm going to ask you just a moment say, I want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to come down in just a moment. So, Lord, we love you. We ask your presence. We, we give you thanks for your son. We give you thanks for your son, for his power, for dying on a cross. We honor you, God, today. And I'm asking that the power fill you right now all across this room. May it be so thick, may it be so real, may it be so, so tangible that you're saying, I don't know what it is, but I want it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So right now, if you're in this room, I want you to come down. If you say, I want the power of the Holy Spirit, just make your way down here to the front. I think there are people, elders, if you want to come on down and pray, there are people in this room that say, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. My days are dark, and I need a little bit more filling in order to experience his power. I need a little bit more life in order to get through the hard, dark days. I need a little bit more strength in order to get through what seems so difficult and what seems so almost can't be possible. I'm telling you now, just don't miss your opportunity. God wants to fill you. And you say, I've never experienced this before. God wants to fill you right now all across this room. You can make your way up here to the front. That there are people that want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God says not to worry about the next days to come, just worry about today. I'm reminded of the story real quick. There's a woman, and I believe people in this room need some physical healing. And I'm going to ask you in a second, if you need physical healing, come on up too. There's a woman who had an issue of blood. And she spent all her money, she spent all her time, she spent all her resources in order to fix this thing. And nothing happened until one day she heard Jesus Christ was, was walking down the road and she thought, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. If I could just touch him, I will be made well. And she makes her way through a crowd. It was a crowded, it was a big crowd and she makes her way through. And she goes up and she touches the hem of his garment. And let me be clear, Jesus healed her there. What doctors could not do in a year, Jesus did in a moment. Her resources, what she spent, Jesus gave her for free. And in this room, Jesus wants you to be free today. So let's worship together for just a moment. If you need physical healing in this room, I'm asking you to come. There's a power and a freedom that you can be healed right this moment. There are people coming down that, that say, I, I need physical healing. There are people that, that say, I need to be touched by Jesus. So right now, in the name of Jesus, heal, restore.
across this room, I want you to lift your hands up. I want you to worship God all across this room. Just worship Him with everything that you have. Jesus. Everybody look here just a second. I just am I'm so thankful to God for you, Pastor Dylan. Everybody listen to me. This is your pastor speaking. There's a threshold this church is crossing into. Hear me what I'm saying. Dylan said, there's nothing better than being in a church where young people are full of the Spirit. That's partly right. That to be in a church where the young people, the middle-aged people, and the older people are filled with the Spirit too. Y'all, somebody should say amen right there. When each generation is encouraging the other one, standing in the gap for the other one. He said, um, Pastor Chuck has given me the money. I, we haven't given it to him. We've given it to the ministry. But You've heard me say we're going to delegate our finances, our facilities, and our staffing to reach the next generation. And you don't, you won't do that by accident. We've said, I've said to them, what if our business is reaching the next generation? How would we strategically do that? And that's how serious we are about this. Here's the thing I want you to hear, and everybody listen. Two quick things. Number one, you may hear these stories and go, that's youthful zeal. Did that really happen? I was there, and I'm glad I was, because I might be tempted to be a little wet blanket on their fire. God is moving, it happened. I was there and it was profound. My biblical education degree, when I studied the history of Christianity, you study revivals over 2,000 years. Don't miss what I'm about to say. 100% of revivals throughout the history of Christianity started with young people or impoverished, broken people. Most of them started with young people. A church where the young people on fire will be a church that transforms the community. And, and so, Father, in the name of Jesus, Isaiah 4, verse 5, be true. You said it was your desire to establish your glory over every dwelling place where we live. You want to live there. And then you said, and her assemblies, when they get together like we're doing right now, you said you want to establish. That's the word. You don't want to visit. You want your glory to be resident where your people live and where they gather as a group to worship. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit, and your glory 
And we thank you, Father, for signs and wonders, the trickling of a new season of signs and wonders, miraculous healings and deliverances in the name of Jesus. Everybody listen. If your flesh says, ah, have you read the Bible? We worship the God who raised Jesus from the dead. That should be commonplace. Can somebody say amen? Come on, say it out loud. Let it be, Lord. Let it be in the name of Jesus. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I just feel like I should pray Acts 16 over you. When Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, they didn't feel like worshiping, they worshiped. Earthquake hit that jail cell, deliver them. The guy watching the, the guard knew the king's going to kill me because of what just happened. He got ready to take his life and Paul said, don't do that. Today we're going to your house and salvation is coming to your entire household. If you worship God in the midnight hour and take things not into your own hands but give them to God, Come on, how many of you just will say and declare, salvation is coming to me and my entire household, my children and grandchildren. Y'all aren't clapping like you believe it. You're clapping like you got to get out of here. Come on, in the name, come on, lift up a shout to the Lord. Let it be, Lord, let it be, Lord. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Revival, salvation. Holy Spirit inspired fire and passion. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great morning. We love you, everybody.